Welcome to the world of culture pop with Steve Mason and Sue Kalinsky. Culture, comedy, movies, TV, tech, authors, trends, pop, pop. This is the Culture Pop Podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Culture Pop Podcast. I'm Steve Mason along with Sue Kalinsky. Sue Baloo, you look tired. Are you tired? I'm very, very tired, Steve. What's going on that made you so tired and look so tired? <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, I got woken up at a quarter to three this morning by JetBlue because I had made a reservation a couple of months ago and was so excited because it was a nonstop flight from L.A. to West Palm Beach, which I never get. Yeah. It was really inexpensive, like jokingly inexpensive, like 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 it wasn't real. So here, you know, I bragged to everybody. It's like, oh, I got this really, really great flight. And then I get a warning yesterday saying that the flight has been changed and you have to contact us immediately. So I go online and now it's, it's I have to stop in New York on both legs of the trip. So you go LA, New York, West, West Palm, Palm Beach. Beach. What are you yes. doing in West Palm Beach? Uh, Tom's family lives there. We're going to a wedding in November. Oh, nice, nice. So I called a couple of times because I try to do it online. And of course, they tell me that I can't do it online. I have to speak to a representative. <laughs> so they try to, they give it to you in minutes to yes. make it seem like it's much less time. So they say your wait time is going to be 103 minutes. God. So I was like, well, this is ridiculous. And then I had called again last night before I went to bed and they said, um, give us a callback number and we'll call you. Yeah. Like, yes. So they called me at a quarter to three this morning. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I'm Did woken you... up out of a deep sleep and yeah. the woman is so rude because I didn't have all the information in front of me. And I said, it's a quarter to three. <laughs> I don't know where you are, but I'm, I'm exhausted. I mean, I like, don't even, I, I just woke up. So give me a break. Like I'm not sleeping with my computer, you know? Yeah. So did it all work out in the end? It did all work out. Well, the, the reason why I wanted to call them too is because I can't sit in the middle seat. Really? And oh, one, one leg of in the middle I, seat. I, I, I just can't. I mean, I it, I have to sit in an aisle. I just can't. Yeah, I'm sit. An, I, I also sit in. I go crazy if I'm not in, in in an aisle seat. Yeah, and when Tom and I travel together, we do aisle to aisle. Oh, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. So, so nobody gets a middle. So no one gets a middle. Everybody gets a medal. Nobody gets a medal. <laughs> and uh, so I had to make sure that the seat, because they, they, you know, they give you the, like the letters, but I don't know what kind of plane it is. So I don't know. I mean, a B seat could be just A and B. Yeah, right. You know? So uh, it turned yeah. out that one of the one of the seats was a middle seat and they changed it for me. So the conclusion I've drawn from not just this conversation, but my own experiences in air travel mm -hmm. is that. Although it may once have been special, it is now a real pain in the ass. And I don't think they care about us. I really don't. I think we are just a herd of sheep that they're getting onto this flying tube and unloading us at the other end. And I really don't think they care about us in between. 
They don't. They don't. And uh, and and I find that a lot of times. I mean, I I actually had a very nice flight attendant the last time I flew, but for the most part, I really find that. And and maybe they're they're just exasperated too. I don't know. But you're you're working for the public, so yeah. you have to put on a good face and you have to be respectful to the passengers. And this woman was so snotty. You know, it's like there's a way to tell somebody. Can you put your seat up? Or you know, yeah, right? She's like walking through, and it's like. Uh, seat up. <laughs> it's like <laughs> like I'm in prison, you know. By the way, that seat up thing. Nobody ever went to a. <laughs> nobody ever said if only he had his seat back up, he right. would have survived this. Nobody right. ever says that. Right? Yeah, he was the only guy on the plane that <laughs> that ended up surviving because his seat was back. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know it's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't think they care. I don't think they care. And I, I do think, though, people have forgotten politeness during the pandemic. People are very, very demanding. I was at a restaurant this last week, um, and a man went to the, you know, the swinging door that leads to the kitchen, the silver door. The silver, it's like a saloon kind of thing. Correct. Yeah, it's like swings. a saloon yeah. thing. So he goes to that. He opens it, and he said, my wife is ready for her food now. She's hungry. <gasps> and I'm like, what are you doing, <sighs> sir? Oh my this is God. not how you behave. You don't go back there. That's no, not for you. That's 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 not how you roll. So I just think people have generally forgotten what politeness is. Right. And uh, and people are pushy on airlines. They're pushy in restaurants. They're push. Now I'm going to the Dodger game tonight. Uh, I would imagine people are very demanding and exacting about what they want. Although we're just going to boo the Houston Astros like crazy tonight. Oh right. Yeah, we're going to boo the Astros. And Max Scherzer makes his debut, so I'm all excited about that. Um, but I'm also excited because our guest. And, you know, I love Saturday Night Live. I'm mm -hmm. fascinated by Saturday Night Live. Our guest today is an improv actor and stand-up comedian who began his career as part of the Groundlings before ultimately making his mark on Saturday Night Live. His most famous sketch was with Will Ferrell, the Butabi brothers, the head-bobbing club guys, and those characters became the basis for the 1998 film Night at the Roxbury. Chris Kattan is with us. Chris, thank you so much for doing this. How are you, man? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Everything is good. Everything is good. On my way to a Dodger game tonight. That's great. I'm jealous. I think, uh, well, I can't go, but yeah, <laughs> I would try to persuade you to take me if I was available, but uh, I'm still jealous because I wish I could go. I love the Dodgers. I grew up, uh, I grew up, well, back in like 1976, 77, um, uh, I was uh, a big fan of the Dodgers back then, like, uh, you know, Vince Scully, oh, Vince Scully, Carson, uh, what was the name of um, Ron Say? Ron Say, oh, Steve yeah, Garvey, sure. Davey Lowe. Yeah. Yeah, Rick Monday. And back then, for some reason, they had a tie in with the 76 gas stations. I don't know if 76 gas stations exist anymore. Well, Maybe there's, they still a, there's still a gas station out there at Dodger Stadium with the big orange 76 ball. And there I, is. Yeah. One mm -hmm. time I was out of gas in the Dodger parking lot and I was completely <laughs> not worried because I thought, oh, no, there's a 76 station there. And it, as it turns out, there's only a big orange ball. There's no gas right. station that goes along with it. So <laughs> oh, that's I funny. You know, that. that's like the sit. I think um, Fenway has the Sitco station. Yeah, oh, that's right. right. Yeah. You'd think there'd be a Sitco there. <laughs> no go. No go. <laughs> yeah. When I went to a uh, Lakers game, there was a big uh, sign that said Target, and I thought there'd be a Target. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, no target. You would assume there'd be a target next to the form. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not there. there. No. So I want to mention right off the bat, you're doing stand-up. Uh, you are at the Ontario Improv in Ontario, California, Wednesday, August the 4th, the Irvine Improv in Irvine, California, mm-hmm. Sunday, August the 8th, and then three dates in West Nyack, New York at Levity Live, October 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. I'm curious, what's it like getting back on the road? Uh, it's great. Well, you know, what's great about it is I love working with crowds. Uh, it's nice to get feedback from more than just one person that's <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> right. um, so it's really fun to, you know, I like to do, uh, I like to, I mean, I have a set and that's great. And that works great. And people love to hear about SNL and, you know, that stuff, Mango, or, you know, Porky, whatever. They love to hear that stuff. Uh, uh, but, you know, I have a lot of other material that works great. But I also love uh, improvising uh, with the crowd. And I do that a lot and when one joke works with one person you know improv uh, you can get lost in a whole another world and it could take you on this other level and sometimes i'll do like 20 minutes that's just improvised and it the crowd it goes crazy for it because it's so specific and it's fresh and you actually learned how to you know it makes more makes for more material as well so I love doing that. I think that's different. And other comedians are like, wow, that's really good. And it, I find it kind of, uh, it's interesting. My brain started working. It's like being a DJ. It's like you're using your material, telling jokes, and then you're improvising on another, and then you go back and forth in a weird way. So I really enjoy, uh, I really enjoy doing stand-up. And it's always, uh, everybody seems to love it. So I, I, I love doing it. Yeah, I actually, I, I, we we never crossed paths, but I did stand up for like twenty something, thirty years. I started in oh New York, gosh. and um, I I totally get what you're talking about when, when it comes to the improv part of it because it's something that is in the moment that mm-hmm. you never plan for, mm-hmm. and you get going with somebody, and yeah. you you know you can get into your act, and then you call something back that you did in the improv. Right. So it's just the gift that keeps on giving during your set. Yeah, it, it it's really, and you can't really uh, repeat it sometimes because <laughs> it's so specific, you know, right. like there was a person that went to the bathroom and I got mad or I pretend to be mad that they're leaving, you know, just like, hey, where are you going? Come back here. <laughs> and then they like, leave and then they can't come back. And then I say to the crowd, this happened last time I said, I'm not going to, well, I'm not going to talk to him when he comes back that's what <laughs> he's totally ignoring me and then he came back and I, and I was like oh there he is and i was quiet and then he looked at me i'm like but well, i'm not talking to you <laughs> we've been roommates for i don't know how long and uh i'm not talking to you again this is my <laughs> boundary i'm setting my boundary and, <laughs> and he got super self-conscious and it was really funny and then um the uh everyone that went to, to go to the, everyone that wanted to go to the bathroom during my set started getting self-conscious yeah i'm sure <laughs> they were they to be called out yeah yeah so you started out in improv and you this is interesting you followed in your dad's footsteps your dad was among the founders of of the groundlings and then you grew up to be a member of of the growling groundlings how old were you when you went to see your dad perform around that same time uh the, around the Dodgers time, actually around nineteen seven, 
I was probably about seven years old, something like that. Did yeah. you have any hesitation about jumping? Well, actually, no. Let me ask it this way. Does funny run in the family? Yeah, it does. But my mom's really funny, but she's not. She never went into a direction of funny. I don't. She's like, she didn't want me to be in show business because of, uh, well. Because of think, show business. Because of show business. <laughs> exactly. She cared about me. So, um, <laughs> so, uh, but, um, she, uh, she's very funny and my dad's funny. Uh, very funny. He's probably, he was one, he's passed away, but he was one of the funniest men I've ever known. He was just so damn funny. And it was interesting too, because he wasn't, he was a pretty good looking guy, but he had a big belly for some reason. And he always said, well, I got, I got that when your mother was pregnant. <laughs> as if that was an excuse and um he would he women loved him and i was like it's so weird why do they love <laughs> why how is that possible and it, you know it's just because he was so charming and so lovable and he was so positive you know he's a really happy fun loving person and uh, i miss him a lot but he was he was very funny um you know and uh other growlings talked about him i'm working on a growling stock documentary actually with will forte and we're going to do a uh grunge documentary and this other guy uh will uh another will <laughs> anyway so but that's pretty cool that that we're going to dig into that world yeah i'm actually doing an all improv uh, uh show with them tomorrow night uh the, the groundlings where uh you do a two-hour show and they just opened uh oh, cool. the theater recently so um yeah um, but I, I loved watching him. He was hilarious. So I wanted to ask you, you know, we were talking about stand-up, and I just want to go back for one second. You didn't start out as a stand-up, right? You basically no. you did sketch yeah, I, and then you did acting. So you kind of did the reverse of what a lot of like comedians, you know, because I remember back in the day when I was doing stand-up, we were stand-ups first and with the right. hope of being actors. What inspired right. you to get into stand-up so much later in your career? Um, I had an agent actually uh, ask me if I was interested, and I said, I don't know how to do stand-up. So he said, like, well, I'll, you know, go up on stage and go behind a mic and start talking and just write a couple jokes. And then I ended up improvising, and then I was like, he said, you should write that down, what you said. And I was like, oh, okay. So I did, and I just ended up having a set and built more confidence, uh, you know, because I'm usually... I usually not alone on stage. So you have to be alone doing stand up, obviously. So you can't, you're, you're, you're taking care of yourself. And, uh, it worked out beautifully. But it's also the neat thing is though, I get to do like, I'm doing a sketch show now that's uh, starting in probably like a month or maybe about a month, I think. And, uh, and, uh, we're shooting that now. So it's neat to start doing sketches again too and uh you know and do stand up you know i like doing both i like uh you know and it's you know after covid it's hard to, to do the uh it's just it's just refreshing it's so refreshing to finally be able to film and to do stand up you know to, to perform you know right did did you do any um zoom stand up shows i did how was yes, that i did it was uh well, they laughed, so you could hear them. Um, <laughs> and I did improvise too, actually, specifically for them. And uh, that it, that was fine. I just, 
yeah, it was good. It wasn't as fun, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, but it mm-hmm. was like, it was good. It, it went well. They always seemed to like it. You know, they were happy with it. But yeah, I did do that a couple of times. And I did a, the Groundlings did an improv show too. And I did that. And that was interesting to do an improvised show on Zoom. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, because we're relying on physical, you literally have to rely a lot on visual. Because there was like, you know, for example, there was like, we did a murder mystery and, you know, you could put a hand on the, on the, you know, on the screen and it looks like you're dying and, you know, all that stuff. So that was kind of fun too. Yeah. Um, so but, um, how, how were you discovered for Saturday Night Live? Uh, a woman by the name of was, oh God, her name was Pam something. She, she saw the growlings and was like, oh, wow. There's some good people in this cast, and uh, she told a pers- person by the name of Marcy Klein, who was mm-hmm. a who was a person that was uh, she was a producer on SNL, and uh, she produced Thirty Rock, and she's she's great. She was so encouraging, and she went to the Groundlings herself, and she was like, she told Lauren Michaels, and um, Lauren was like, oh really? And then uh, I can't do a very good Lauren, um, but um, <laughs> but. Uh, and Lauren was like, you know, and he has such a, an incredible eye for people. Uh, I'm not saying for me. I, I mean, obviously, you know, you watch the show. You're like, wow. Yeah, everybody. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at these people. Like, you know. Um, and um, he, uh, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, he flew us out, I think. It was me. He flew four of us out based on what Marcy saw, I think. It was, it was me, Will Ferrell. Sherry O'Terry and Jennifer Coolidge. So it was us four. And <laughs> we, we, uh, we auditioned and, um, it was very, uh, nerve wracking, but you know, you, you, as a performer, I'm sure, you know, you just kind of have a on button, yep. you just turn it on. And then, um, it's another part of you that's having a great time. And, uh, and you're not, you're not faking it, you know, you're really in it, you know? And that's what's fun about improv and doing sketch. And I think it, you know, any kind of material, it gives you an excuse to live in that world. You know, I think that's what's so great. I mean, that's what, why theater is so great. I remember doing theater in, in high school and I started building character. The character got stronger or you find little things to do here and there with the same dialogue because you do the same play like once. Well, it was a school place, so I don't remember. How <laughs> I don't know how often. We Four performances, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, probably. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Right. Like, we'll have a run for two weeks or something. And I did like Man of La Mancha. and uh, <laughs> Nice. And, I did My uh, Fair Lady. Uh, Sue, did you do any plays in school? I did. Well, in college, I, w- I played Mortima in the, in the Fantastics. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> so I had to die constantly oh, throughout no. the play. <laughs> that was fun. So what what was what was your audition when you auditioned um, for Lauren? They asked for three characters and one impression. So I did oh no. Three characters, someone political and one impression. I think that's yeah. what it was. Uh and I did uh the Mr. Peepers, the monkey thing. Sure. And <laughs> I had a I had a um I think you can watch it. I think it's on my best of there's like a best of Chris Kattan thing. Uh-huh. Um, and, um, but anyway, so I, I came out with a boom box and the boom box did the narration. It was my voice saying, 
This is Mr. Papers. He's from the Amazon <laughs> rainforest, and blah, blah, blah. And I was on a stool doing, you know, like crouching and doing the apple thing. And, and, I, and I was balancing on one foot, you know, and I did the whole, I didn't do the whole act. Obviously, the whole act uh, usually works better with some, someone else. So I have no idea. But you also can't hear them or see them. You can't see them respond. Uh, you know, they're in the dark. It's, I think it's Lauren, Marcy, and this, uh, Steve Higgins, who's so nice. And he, uh, um, he's the guy on uh, The Tonight Show mm-hmm. that works with Jimmy all the time. Uh, so, and he's also, I don't know how he does both jobs, but he does. He's amazing. Uh, he he uh, does the, um, he's a producer on SNL as well. Uh, and, um, he works so hard. I, I just don't know how you could do both jobs. That's, mm. that's wild. Um, anyway, and I did Mr. Peepers. Then I did a impression of Christian Slater <laughs> interviewing a vampire. And I was like, so the story you're telling me is amazing. It's incredible. That was like <laughs> Christian Slater. And then, and then I didn't hear anybody respond. I was like, Oh God. And then, um, <laughs> But you don't have to, you can't show that you're like, oh God, obviously. Uh, and then I did uh, a governor at the time. Was it Cuomo? I don't know. It can't be Cuomo. I don't can't know. Can't be Cuomo. Was. Well, no, uh, it was Cuomo. Not that, well, was it uh, the I don't other know. Cuomo? Was, the father? Oh, maybe. Maybe it was. It wasn't very good. Mario. But my impression, because they told me last minute, like, do blah, blah, blah. I was like, I don't know anyone political. Like, I couldn't really think of somebody. And like last minute, they gave me somebody and Marcy was so helpful. She's like, do uh, the governor. And I said, okay. But he was the mayor. I don't even remember. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Maybe it was the mayor. And then um, I did it and I started laughing in the middle of it because it was so not good. (laughs) (laughs) Then they laughed. Uh, And I heard laughing then. And um, that was interesting that they laughed when I laughed. Um, And I, I found out later on, way later when I was on the show, like, way way later like maybe six seasons into the show uh this this uh the show yeah so i was on for eight seasons and um that lauren likes it when people break 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 character it's funny it, and it is funny if somebody yeah. doesn't yeah when they do it naturally you mm-hmm. just can't help yourself yeah you i know? mean i see kate mckinnon do it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's like when uh, a prop like uh, i once had a wig or i have my beard fall off <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, nobody's perfect. Yep. <laughs> like that I improvised that line and got a big laugh. But you know, it just <laughs> you just don't know what's gonna happen sometimes. And and it is funny when somebody laughs. It is. Um uh, so it's Monday morning of a show week. Take me through the week, what you do when and when the writing happens and when you find out if sketches are in or out. Take me through a week. Oh, okay. Uh geez. Well, Monday you uh you, you, Monday is usually the pitch and you come in and pitch to the guest host in Lauren's office and Tuesday you write all night uh, pretty late um, usually it goes till usually people come in around 3 or 4 after, in the afternoon uh, and then you stay usually till 2am or some people stay there overnight and just sleep on the couch because they'll mm-hmm. read through the following day um, because you can't predict how long a sketch is going to take to complete, you know, uh, or you might want to rewrite it, you know, because there's right. 40, there's like 40, 45 sketches to ch- that are read at the read through. 
So there's a lot and only like 10 are chosen. Are uh, you writing? Are you writing with somebody with some of it or, usually, or are you writing yeah. yourself? So, okay. Sometimes I wrote alone. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the stuff I did in the beginning, I wrote alone because a lot of it was, I did at the groundlings. I did a lot of characters. So, I mean, I didn't create manga until later. Uh, and this guy, Mike Shoemaker, who's the sweetest guy and he produces, uh, Seth Meyers show. He's a writer on that show mm. as well. He's, he's amazing. And he, he told me how to, he gave me like some mango ideas. Like when you, when you, when you, uh, I think it was a Garth Brooks show and he was like, you know, you should do this. Like, no, go away, go away from me. Kind of thing. Like, no, you can't have me. that kind of thing. <laughs> and he gave me that part. And that was really kind of him. Um, but it's, so there is some collaboration every so often, mm-hmm. uh, even from producers. Um, and, uh, so I would write with a writer usually because I would just like spew out just whatever came out of my mouth, almost like improvising. And, uh, the writer would, would write it and then he'd write with me. And it's a lot more fun to write with someone, obviously. And then, um, let's see. Then there's those sketches chosen. Then Thursday and Friday, we block them for camera. And then Saturday, we have a run through, a dress rehearsal for camera. And then we have a, another run through. And then we have the actual show. And then, um, usually there's like, say, 10 sketches. And then three of them, I don't know, based on either time or how the audience reacted, uh, they'll, they won't make it into the show. So they'll be, yeah, I was at the, camera dress rehearsal when I went mm-hmm. to SNL and I was interested to see what shows what what sketches made it to the uh, real show and what sketches didn't right. and I didn't necessarily agree which is interesting I mean it's mm-hmm. is, it really is is it really Lorne is he really the guy that's making those decisions I think uh it's a few people uh but again it's it's also time as well you know, it's not just based on someone's opinion of the sketch. It's sometimes like we don't have enough time. Uh, or, or so it's a, it's a, you know, the guest host probably has the biggest say. Mm-hmm. Um, because if a guest host doesn't want to do it, you know, you're not going to force Mick Jagger to play, uh, whatever. I don't know. Uh, Twee, Twee Bird. I don't yeah. know what I'm saying. I don't know. You're not going to force <laughs> someone to do something they don't want to do. And then, um, and then Lauren does have a say, but Lauren's very, uh, he's a very, he's really smart and, and he really trusts his, uh, the, the writers and his writers and his performers. He trusts them. Uh, and, um, because he trusts them, he, uh, he lets them be as good as they can be, you know, and that's what's encouraging about Lauren, you know. Uh, right. so, uh, but, but, uh, it's probably like Gessos, Lauren, and, uh, a few other people, but, um, m- mostly the Gessos has the biggest say, I'd say. So, you know, you think back on, you know, the original cast, there were six members and then, you know, during your time, you know, it blossomed to, I don't know, 11, 12, a, a lot of people, oh, yeah, a, a lot of bigger. people trying, you know, vying for, for their stuff to air. I mean, how difficult was it? with that big of a cast to get your stuff um, uh, on air? It was, it was difficult, but I, I had characters and I think characters were uh, needed eventually because the audience wanted to see that character come back. You know, like Mike Myers, you want to see 
sprockets again or coffee talk you know he just did and when it came on you were like oh my god coffee talks on tonight you know and then then you get like uh famous people that want to be in it too because like oh my god madonna's doing coffee talk just because mm -hmm. i don't know she's a fan you know and um so but it's uh i mean it's it's difficult but it really is i think based on last although you know one time my first show i i got no laughs on my on one of the sketches that I wrote, and it was a uh, the gibberish guy, Sewell Forrester. It's mm -hmm. like, ah, yeah, right. Anyway, um, I actually do say, I actually, the lines in the cue cards, there are words, there's, but I actually, um, it doesn't sound like <laughs> any other words, but I do, there is a script, actually, believe it or not. Um, and, um, so it didn't get, it wasn't very, uh, well received. Uh, but it made it in the show. Yeah. Uh, well, even, even the guest host was like, but it didn't do very well. And he's like, no, it'll let it, let him try it, you know? And I did and it made it in the show. So, so when you did, uh, the Butabi brothers and the bobbing baby, don't hurt me. When you did that, sure. did you know yeah. before that went on the air that that was going to turn into a thing? No, we did not know. Um, and uh, we we created those characters at the Growlings, and we just did one song, and it wasn't "What Is Love." It was it was another song, and uh, we chose "What Is Love" the second time. Uh, we did the sketch, and Fred Wolf was uh, a great writer. He was a head writer back then. He works a lot with David Spade, and he's he's very talented, and he uh, he was a feature player back then too. But he's the one that said, "Hey, why don't you do three people?" When Jim Carrey was hosting. So that's what really made it take off, really, I think. But we had no idea that it'd be uh, popular, you know. I think, I thought they were going to, and then Lauren said, let's do a, a movie. And then we were like, but we don't really talk. And uh, I thought they were going to do a cheerleaders movie or something before they do a Roxbury. Uh, uh, but I was so surprised that it just took off. It was just, I don't know, just that's what ended up happening, you know. So tell me about, because this is something you talk about in your, in your book and you've talked about publicly. Tell me about the, the neck injury that you, that you suffered. Oh, that's uh, a hilarious story. Yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> I'm sure it is a laugh riot, but tell, let us, let us in a let's, little let's bit. Uh, <laughs> let's save that for the last joke. Let's, let's end with that. <laughs> That'll, let's bring it home. <laughs> no, you should, you should come back with, for an encore with that. Yeah, so, so, okay, ladies and gentlemen. Now that I'm, thank you, thank you. Please sit down. Now, there's one story I want to tell about my neck. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but um, it was, uh, yes, it was an accident and it occurred and uh, I broke my neck. And um, yeah, it was pretty bad. It, did it you sucked. know how serious it was then, when, it, when it happened? Uh, no, I did not. That's why I just kept. Uh, you know, no, I didn't. I didn't know. No, I had no idea. I did not know. You don't know that you broke it. You don't know. I mean, you know the pain, but you can't go like, oh, I broke my neck. Because you, you never know what you've never had. It, there's no, it's like breaking anything. You don't know if it's broken until someone tells you sometimes. Yeah. And that's what happened. I, I didn't know until a, a doctor told me, he said, like, you basically broke your neck, you know. And I was like, what? what's the exact? I mean, I was like in agony. I was like, I was getting atrophy on my arm yeah. and uh, just like, I can't deal with this. And, uh, you know, they, uh, 
you know, so. What's the exact thing that you did that to might, break your neck? The exact thing. Yeah, like it was a, it was a stunt. Uh, oh, I went, no, it wasn't a stunt. It was, uh, I, I went backwards on a chair. Uh, I, I fell, I fell, uh, you know, I, I went, I threw myself, I was pretending to have a heart attack and, or no, I was pretending to choke on some food and, uh, I went backwards over this chair on this chair and I sat, snapped my neck on the, on the mm. chair thing. Yeah. And you, mean, had, a, you had a bunch of, surgeries, exactly. right? I a can't bunch say of exactly what happened because it's like, read the book. How about that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> read the book. Baby don't hurt me. It's a book and you can read about it there. Excellent. But it's, you know, it was an accident. Yeah. Yeah. And and you're fine now. Uh, yeah. Yes. I mean, I'm 95. Uh, yeah. I'm not. Uh, yeah. I'm. Yeah. I'm fine now. Yes. I mean, I'm, you know, there's some limit, tiny limitations, but yeah, I'm fine now. Yeah. Right. Very, right. You know, sometimes I'll be like, it doesn't hurt, but you know. Yeah. Anyway, how about you? You break anything? Um, I actually had neck surgery, weirdly. <laughs> oh, you did? Yeah. I had a herniated disc, so I had a disc fusion in my neck. So nothing nothing like what you had, but right. uh, but crazy that they were I able had, to do that. Yeah, they fused it, and then I had to go back and do it again because they said, oh, that didn't work. And then it was like I had to go like four more times, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's really, that's what sucked. And that's what happened. You know, that's why I was like, you know, you can't really go out in public. Like, you know, people go like, what do you, you look like, <laughs> you know, you can't say, well, I broke my neck. You can't you have a sign on your head that says that. So people immediately judge you for how you look. I mean, you imagine like, you know, I mean, you probably didn't go out too much. Did you go any parties? I, I did to- very little partying <laughs> after my next yeah. surgery. Very little. We're not partying, but like go out socially. I mean, it's just kind of like. It took a while. It, it yeah, took exactly. a while. Yeah. So imagine right. doing that four times and it just, you know, it takes a while. Right. So. I mean, did you, had a, did you have to walk around with a neck brace? I mean, where people can actually see that you had an injury or. Uh, no. Yes, I did. Yes. But uh, for I was mostly at home. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, and your physical comedy it was so brilliant. I mean, thank you. I, you know, whenever, well, I, I can't look at a monkey without, you know, without not thinking without of you. Without you thinking of me? That's, yes. That's yes. And that, and that's endearing and that's a compliment because I love monkeys. I guess so. <laughs> trust me, it's a compliment. I'll trust but, you. But, um, you know, when you did peepers and you like jumped onto people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised that nothing ever happened there because you're like, oh, you know, I know, right? Yeah, you know? exactly. I know you're surprised. Well, it's like a car accident. They're surprised when it happens. <laughs> so what do you got planned? What do you got planned tonight? Driving fine. All of a sudden. Yeah, what do you, you got planned tonight, happen. man? What? What do you got planned tonight? Your, uh, well, your plan tonight up in uh, Ontario. And uh, Trey, my Trey just came in. Trey Stewart, who's opening for me, is uh, here as well, waiting for me. And uh, I have to get dressed. <laughs> nice <laughs> for the well, show. Well, then we will. Uh, we will good that this is just audio. Yeah, yeah, uh, just audio. No worries. Yeah, no worries. So, oh, good. Then I can get undressed in front of you. Yeah, don't do that. Well, wait, though. <laughs> not you can that see far. Me. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to let everybody know that uh, Chris is at the Ontario Improv in Ontario tonight. Uh, the Irvine Improv in Irvine on Sunday, August the 8th. And then three dates in West Nyack, New York at Levity Live, October 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Hey, Chris, blast talking yeah. to you, man. Thank you very much for doing this. Oh, you're welcome. Dodgers. I was going to say that I forgot what part of my story was earlier was that the 76 gas stations would hand out, uh, if you got gas, you would get a uh, 8 by 10 picture of one of the players every week. So you like collected them all. And I remember your, and your favorite was Ron Say? I think so. Which was the one called the Penguin? Uh, that's Ron Say. Ron Say. That was Ron Say. Okay, yeah. Then it was Ron Say. Because I remember, uh, yeah, that's right. I don't He's know still why around. Still, still works for the club. Still around. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I have a great time at the Dodger Stadium. It's a beautiful stadium. I can see it from my uh, place. I can see, uh, you know, when there's fireworks going off, I can see the lights. So I have a, a view of uh, the top of it. Nice. Well, you can you can wave to me because that's where I'm going to be okay. at the top of it. It's funny when there's fireworks or like, you know, all that stuff, you know that they won. So I always know if they won or lost. By, there you go. By the lights that are going off. There you go. <laughs> hey, cool, man. Hey, thanks for doing this. We really appreciate it. Yo, you're welcome. I had a great time talking to you guys. And there is Chris Katamp. Man, broke his neck. Wow. I had uh, heard an interview that he did, and he said it was like 18 years of surgeries oh. and recovery. Wow. Wow. Yeah. We shouldn't probably have finished with the broken neck. We probably should have done the broken neck earlier right. the conversation and then finished different. Right. But we made it into a joke. I mean, yes, he made did. it into a he joke. He made it into a joke. Exactly. So, exactly. So, so it worked. Um, all right. So you know who makes this show possible all the time, Sue? Our good buddy, Jacob Emrani. Jacob Emrani, if you... Uh, no matter where you are involved in any kind of accident, motorcycle accident, car accident, uh, bicycle accident, accident as a pedestrian, uh, something happens at work, you want somebody who has been doing this for 25 years, because face it, uh, your health is important, and getting that compensation that you deserve is really important, and Jacob Romani has had repeatable success over and over and over with thousands of people in Southern California, uh, gotten people maximum compensation from the insurance companies. In fact, insurance companies are intimidated by Jacob. When they find out you're being represented by Jacob, they're like, oh, we better, we, we, we better get ready to pay because Jacob knows what he's doing. So if you are involved in any kind of accident, remember the number, 844-24-JACOB. Jacob from Ronnie, 844-24-JACOB. That's 844-24-JACOB. Or remember, accident or injury. Call Jacob and Ronnie. Call, Call Jacob. Jacob. Yeah, baby. Yeah, nice. Right that on. That's a good one. Right on. And how perfect after talking about a neck injury. That's right. That Because a neck you can, you can have a neck oh. injury. You can have an accident Seriously. at work. And there's Jacob. Absolutely do. Absolutely can. Hey, uh, Sue, great seeing you. We will talk to you soon. All righty. Have fun at the game. All right. And we will see everybody next time on the Culture Pop Podcast. <laughs>